0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, offering members-only discounts that can save you thousands of dollars a year. Find out more at carp.ca.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer Worldwide. I'm Bob Comsick for Libby's Nimer. Women executives in Canada earn about 56% less compared with men and are, on average, slightly younger. You'll hear from an economist shortly who says that's perhaps a reason for the pay gap. And the craziness that is Ontario's cottage country housing market. A Muskoka real estate agent talks about who's driving it and what's motivating them. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world.
2: Oh my God. Oh
1: A couple, married for more than seven decades and separated for almost a year due to the pandemic, were reunited recently. Video of the heartbreaking scene has gone viral with more than five million views. Ninety-seven-year-old Margaret Bigler hadn't seen her husband of 73 years, 96-year-old Joseph, since she was admitted to long-term care in Pennsylvania last April. Her beloved husband remained in independent living, unable to visit her during the worst of the pandemic. But there wasn't a dry eye in sight when Joseph was recently reunited with his wife after being admitted to the same home.
0: It could could make a difference to our lives from now on, couldn't it?
1: The second person in the world to get the Pfizer vaccine has died of a stroke unrelated to the vaccine. 81-year-old William Shakespeare received his first shot in December. In a tribute, his wife Joy said Bill was so grateful for being offered the opportunity to become one of the first in the world to get the vaccine. She says he often talked to people about it and would always encourage everyone to get theirs whenever he could.
2: I got an email message from Google saying, um, thank you very much for your purchases.
1: A Bowmanville grandmother was shocked to find a $400 charge for free games played on her phone. Lori Ovenden allowed her six-year-old grandson to play a free game on her phone and said at no time did she give him her credit card number or enter it into the phone, but not long after she got a surprise bill. She complained to Google and her credit card company, but was told there would be no refund. Tech experts say if your credit card number has been entered into your phone even once, some apps may be able to find it and bill you even without your knowing. Ovenden has changed the settings in her phone, cancelled her credit card, and wanted to share her story to warn others. Hey, where's the beef? Canadians are having a beef with beef as meat prices are up just in time for grilling season. In the past four months, the price of ground beef has risen by 5%, steak and bacon up 4%, and chicken 3%. Some experts say it's rare to see chicken rise by that much. The reason for the jump is poor agricultural conditions and food supply chains that were greatly affected by COVID. I'm Bob Kopsik, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Women executives in this country earn about 56 percent less compared with men and are on average slightly younger. That according to a recent study from Statistics Canada. Economist Marina Adshade, an assistant professor at the University of BC, says the finding about age may offer a clue as to the cause of the pay gap.
3: We've known for a long time that Women are underrepresented in positions of leadership. And it's not just in business. You know, they're underrepresented in, in politics and other organizations. Um, so that, none of that is, is that surprising to me. And, and it is particularly not surprising to me because one thing that we know is that uh, people don't usually rise up into these positions until they're later in their careers. You know, in the federal government, for example, the average age of uh, somebody who is in management is 54 years old. And so we have a little bit of a situation where we have women are just generally underrepresented in the workforce in that age group because here in Canada, women tend to leave the workforce earlier than men. And by the time you reach the age of 54, a lot of those women have already left the the workforce. And so it's leaving a gap in the workforce um, and in management, and it's it's leading to uh, a lack of women in positions of leadership. Now, of course, that's not the only reason. Um, but I think it's something that's really worth considering.
1: Is this something that will ever change? Do you think?
3: I think it will change. I think that but I think in order for it to change, I think we need policy. I don't think this is something that we just need to sit out and um, and bide our time on. For example, you know a, a national daycare program, which is essentially um targeted at keeping younger women in the workforce, you know women who have children under the age of five. and so we're talking about women who are maybe you know, 25 to 40 or something like that, um, that will help this generation of women if it means that they're, they're less responsible for helping out with child care for their grandchildren, which a lot of women are doing because daycare is so expensive. Um, but we also need other policies. We need, for example, many countries have developed um, policies around menopause, um, how navigating menopause in the workforce. Um, how we treat menopause in our medical system, we're not doing that. I think that's something that is really worth worth taking into consideration. But really, at the end of the day, I think we just need to value the, the contribution of these women more. And we don't. I mean, there's, there is so much discrimination against older women in the workforce. And right now with COVID, um, I think this is going to be an even bigger issue because there's a number of women who are out of work who will have a hard time getting back to the workforce because they are a little bit older.
1: What's the future hold for them?
3: It's interesting because when a man is in his 50s, people look at him and think, wow, look at all the amazing experience he has. But when a woman's in her 50s, they think that she's done. And, and I, like as a woman who's, I mean, I'm, I'm very lucky in my own career, um, but I see it myself as I get older, um, that attitudes towards older women workers is just not the same, um, especially if you're in a male-dominated field like I am because I'm an economist or you do anything that has to do with tech, um, we're really, really being discounted. And and this is something that needs to be addressed. It's something I think that we can all address in our own lives.
1: You mentioned how there need to be policies, but in order to for there to be policies, there would have to be changes in attitudes to mm-hmm. get to those policies. So that sounds like that is a, a real big boat making a real slow turn in the water.
3: You know, I think, I mean, there's there's very real evidence that, uh, that older women are discriminated against, um, and it, particularly in terms of employment. If, if you're a woman who's over the age of 50, you lose your job, you're much less likely to find a new job. You're much less likely to find a new job at your current skill level. You're less likely to find a, a full-time job, because there is a sense that once a woman is over the age of 50, she's just not as productive as, as other workers, and it's it's is not true, right? I mean, we all know women who are in this age group who are amazing. In fact, if you look at our own government or you look at people in positions of leadership and running uh, companies, but there's a lot of women who are in that age group who are doing amazing work. Um, that's really the perception that needs to be changed. The situation is only getting worse. And that's because the next generation of women who are coming up, women who are, say, 45 to 55, those women really are remarkable compared to, like, other previous generations of women. Like, they, they really do. They have, they have a lot of education. They have a lot of
2: peers on the workforce.
3: They have a lot to offer the Canadian economy. And we, like, this isn't just an issue of equity um, and fairness. We as an economy, we actually need those workers. And so we, it, it benefits all of us to, to do the hard work to make sure that they can continue to work in the workforce as long as they choose to.
1: We talk about changes. Changes are needed. Is it up to, as much as we're talking about women here generally, isn't it also up to men to do something about this?
3: Yeah, It it is absolutely up to all of us. And in fact, I would go further. I I agree with you and I would go further. I would say that nothing will change unless men um, join the fight on this. And you know, I think that they should there's no reason for them not to want to do that. You know, I talk to young men about this topic, like men who are in their in their twenties and they're like, Yes, my mother is in exactly this situation now. I mean, we know people who are in this situation if we look around ourselves. Um and so I think that this is something that we all need to take on. And and our political leadership needs to take it on as well. At all levels of government. We need to become more aware of this. So Anything that we can do as individuals to to get our politicians to pay attention, I think will be, uh, you know, a step in the right direction.
1: Economist Marina Adshade, assistant professor, uh, University of B.C. Keep up the good fight. Thank you. That was Marina Adshade, an economist and assistant professor with the University of B.C. I'm Bob Komsik for Libby's Nimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, the red-hot
0: real estate market in Ontario
1: Cottage Country.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP. Fighting to hold politicians accountable for better health care. Find out more at carp.ca.
1: She's been in the real estate game for decades in Cottage Country, but Muskoka agent Catherine Innes says she's never seen anything like this. Just how red-hot is the Cottage Country real estate market?
2: Well, Bob, it's totally uh, red-hot. We have had a lot of interest in property in Muskoka over many years, as you and your listeners would definitely know. Um, However, at the beginning of the pandemic... Everything dried up for about a month. Last March, we thought, oh no, what is ever going to happen with, uh, with real estate sales? And then it took off. I guess people thought, you know, we're, we're stuck here in whatever urban area they were in. And we've been thinking about getting a cottage and, and now would definitely be the time to move forward. So we've had, uh, competition on almost everything uh to give you a, a real life example i have a property that uh the deal closes uh at the beginning of next month or the beginning of june and there were 80 showings on that property and i'm proud to say that my buyers won the competition but it wasn't uh easy so uh we're finding that people have to be prepared financially prepared emotionally to uh compete and uh Get set uh, for a wild ride. What's
1: motivating people, all these ones that are looking to buy? Empty nesters, one percenters with money, condo dwellers, speculators. What's motivating some or all of these people?
2: All of the above. And I think that people have uh, a little bit more uh, money than they, they would have had previously because they haven't had an opportunity to uh, spend it in other areas, particularly travel. And uh, I would say that um, a fair number of people have discovered that they can telecommute. Maybe they dip their toes in it a little bit, but now they're finding that they can do a fair bit from home or cottage. A lot of people are now looking for a place that they can have a dedicated office area so they uh, don't taint, not that there's anything wrong with working, but so they don't taint the whole cottage experience with working. They, uh, they set aside a room, um, have a dedicated office.
1: A lot of people saying life's too short, right?
2: Absolutely. Life's too short. Uh why not move forward with our goals now? And uh, actually with on the, the little more morbid side, I mean people have lost their lives during this pandemic. So uh people really look at that and think we better better get going on our goals and dreams.
1: How's all this affecting those that, say, are inheriting? You've got siblings maybe looking at uh, trying to figure it out, buying one another out. How's this affecting uh, the various people involved in such transactions?
2: Well, I would say that it's uh, somewhat uh, challenging, depending on their financial situation. Uh, Certainly, it would be uh, um, less expensive to get a mortgage these days uh, to buy others out. But yeah, it's... uh, it would be uh, challenging. Although, on the flip side of that coin is that uh, people uh, stand to inherit more.
1: Now, you say you've never seen anything like this in describing the market. Does the same jaw-dropping truth hold for the behavior of some or many of the buyers you've seen been involved with?
2: I would say the buyer's behavior has been... Uh, Great. Some of the uh, Toronto agents who come up representing buyers could be doing better, because it's actually um, against the uh, Real Estate Council of Ontario's rules to sell outside an area that you know really well, because after all, you are responsible for the buyers, um, how their outcome. And it's a big concern, um, for example, uh, somebody told me the other day that uh, a buyer who was represented by a um, an out of town agent, a Toronto agent, um, once they took possession of their cottage, they were looking for the cable hookup so there's no cable hookup in the, the people it's too remote for that. Um, we certainly have all the amenities high speed internet and uh, you can get television or whatever, but it's just not the same as the city. There's shore road allowances to worry about uh, access, actual legal road access to the property so it doesn't become a water access only property that you find out after you've paid a lot of money for it and it's suddenly worth a lot less. Um, There are a myriad of things. Basically, the message is buyers and sellers for that matter don't know what they don't know. So you need to not only deal with a professional agent but an agent who is from that area, wherever it is in Ontario, doesn't matter. It's not just cottage country.
1: Catherine, do you expect things to cool down once COVID passes? And if so, more gradually rather than, you know, off the edge of a table?
2: Yes, I would say that it's going to be quite gradual, Bob. My expectation is that once things have loosened up more and people can travel more, they're not as concerned, then they'll be uh, have more things to take up their time and energy. I don't think that the bottom will fall out of the market anytime soon because it's a supply and demand situation. For example, uh, for at least the last four years, we've had a seller's market. There are never enough. Uh, good properties for the number of buyers that we have. So I think we're pretty stable here. I hope I'm right.
1: That was Muskoka real estate agent, Catherine Innes. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Bob Komsik for Libby's Nimer. Thanks for joining me. Be sure to come back
0: next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Huddy. Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.